0: This episode is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. If you're in the market for a beautiful, hand-built, custom board game table that is sure to become the centerpiece of your game room, go check them out over at BoardGameTables.com and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 66, Tramways.
1: Coming to you from the French Riviera or Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18XX, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. Game of the Month started on Monday, and we had Maria and Lisboa both on the table. It should be a couple of really great games for the Monday Night Game Group during February. Yeah,
0: we're split up. You're playing Lisboa, and I'm playing Maria. And,
1: and it's very well possible that in March we switch.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what the rumor is right now, anyway. Right.
1: And now and then our other Game of the Month group, or which is really a subgroup of our main game group, mm-hmm. uh, meets uh, for the first time on Friday... And it looks like we're gonna have three tables of roads and boats. Epic. I mean, that seriously, that's just that's glorious.
0: Yes, that's just fantastic.
1: Uh, I'm just excited to be able to be a part of that, as well as to take a picture and tweet that out. Yes. That's gonna be pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Not to mention, our regular game day is still going on on Saturday. So, it's, for all intents and purposes. We have three scheduled game days now with our group, or at least some subsets of our yep. main game group, throughout the whole week, as well as you know you and me trying to play a game every night. Right. This is yeah, life's good in that respect. Yes, at least.
0: in the game, the gaming section, absolutely. Totally, <laughs> the basement is pretty much done we just have to decorate at this point and even that oh,
1: hold on and by we you mean you and well, dana that's
0: why i said we
1: oh right i didn't okay. say me and you gotcha yeah <laughs> i i have no interest outside of a a train painting up in idaho springs that yes. we're gonna try and go get outside of that that's
0: well and I'm pretty much like i'm just gonna follow dana around and if she likes something then we'll probably get it like i i don't know any of that stuff either so but um it's they have a lot of stuff that they want to de- you know they decorated their home with back in Virginia, so we may not really have to buy too much stuff. So
1: at least not until they they leave. Exactly. But it, That could be eight months from now. It could be a year and eight months from right. now. We don't know. And, we don't know. And we're not sick of them yet, so that's a plus. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Golden Geek Award nominations are open over um BGG. Yes, it's a popularity contest, and yes. It's unlikely that we're going to win. But the nomination will be cool, so please consider us when you do go and vote. And if you're like, eh, I don't want to vote, if you have a BGG account, we'd appreciate if you would. There's so many different podcasts out there nowadays that the vote's going to be pretty diluted, so every vote is going to matter. Mm Mm-hmm. I would recommend folks go and vote for their favorite medium and heavy mm-hmm. game as well. Because, I mean, it's unlikely that these games are going to win any of the the awards. Because, again, it's a popularity contest. However, the important thing, in my opinion, is to get some of these games nominated. Yes. Even if they're not going to win. For the simple fact that... A lot of people do look at oh this at the Mm nomination say oh what's this game I've never heard about it let me investigate it more and it might you know pique their interest a little bit to where maybe that makes more medium and heavy gamers out there which is a win for everybody Mm -hmm. not just us and the show but for y'all maybe it's somebody in your game group or Mm -hmm. you know somebody that you wouldn't expect that would be interested in it so yeah vote for the show great we appreciate that but also don't forget to vote about you know on the games i th- at least to me that makes sense it does
0: make sense to me too because i would think that like you said it's a popularity contest so the vast majority of the nominees are going to be you know the huge mega popular games it's not going to be pandemic legacy right.
1: stuff like that it's right it's not going
0: to be quote unquote our kinds of games you know what i mean sure
1: so yeah I- if you guys are interested, we'd appreciate it for the show, but also for the games that, I mean, if you're listening to this, odds are you probably like. Mm-hmm. So take a couple minutes and 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 do that. HeavyCon, about 95% booked and paid for, just waiting on the last few payments, and then the scheduling geek list, and all the scheduling can begin. And, you know, it's funny. we So we have a Slack channel for HeavyCon. And a lot of guys are giving Travis a hard time about whether or not, you know, because everything he plays, you know, at most two-player games, so there's a line out the door trying to get a game in with Travis. And so it's, you know, it's friendly banter back and forth and everything. And there have been a number of people that have been, I don't know if clamoring is the right word, but have been asking us to start a heavy cardboard Slack channel. So we're going to. We're going to start it with our Patreon supporters. They're going to kind of, we're going to work out any bugs or any questions or issues or whatever with a smaller subset. And then probably in the next week or so, we're going to open it up to everybody that listens. So if that's something that interests you, then yeah, keep your ear out for it. And for those that don't know, basically it's just a perpetual uh, chat room Mm -hmm. for Everybody, you can turn it off notifications, you can turn them on, do whatever you want, come and join for a little bit, and then not look at it for a week, whatever, but it'll all be there. Yeah. So you can always go back and read if that's your thing. And we're having really good success with it with our local game group. Mm-hmm. We're lot, having good yeah. success with it with uh the heavy con attendees. Uh so yeah, why not try and do it for all our listeners too? I think that'll be fun. My only concern is um I'm wondering if we're diluting things to where like, oh, you can talk amongst yourselves in the guild or over here on the Slack channel and all this. So I'm a little concerned about that, but hopefully it's much ado about nothing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. And
0: we will not know until it happens one way or the other.
1: Yep. Speaking of just playing games and in general, we're going to attempt to do our first live playthrough uh, Monday of Lisboa on our YouTube channel. So if you're interested, it's basically just our game group. It's our game of the month. We're, we're not going to really do a whole lot with the channel. We're just, hey, if you want to keep an eye in and, and take a look at a game that's not out there yet, this would be your way to do it. And we'll try and maybe answer some questions when we get a chance, but we're going to be focused on, on playing the game mostly so this will be an experiment. So if it's something that interests you, check it out Monday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's uh, that's 2 a.m. UTC time for, for those around the world. And we'll see how it goes. Maybe if, if folks like that with Lisboa, maybe the following week we can do that for the other game, mm-hmm. which is Maria. And we can go from there. So we're just going to mess around with it and see how it goes. And yeah, so forgive Fun. our fumbling. Yeah,
0: I'm excited. It may be... You know, a little bit rough going there for a little bit, but I'm excited.
1: Yeah, or maybe it goes off without a hitch. We'll see.
0: As I talked about in our briefing episode, I'm pulling away from the bullet journal to a more traditional planning style, and I've decided to go with an ARC or similar system, but it takes a special kind of hole punch to make it, and the hole punch is like 50 bucks.
1: All right, you're going to have to explain to me (laughs) how a hole punch, A can be that expensive and B uh-huh. can justify being that expensive. Cause that I know I, yeah. I am not okay with I'm that. I'm not
0: either. It's like it, it makes these super duper special holes that can only go on these little discs that you use to make the planner. It's just, I don't, it's, they look like little mushrooms and there's like, sp- Twelve or something. It's a holes. hole punch, right? Uh-huh.
1: Like what I'm thinking of is, you know, you just well, squeeze a chunk. No, ka-chunk. no or,
0: it's like it's got two handles that you push down, and it makes all the holes at once.
1: Oh, yeah. Still fifty bucks. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. No,
1: yeah, 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 That's the right word in so my opinion.
0: I'm using a binder and printables from Pinterest.
1: Winning. Yeah. Thank you. Please. <laughs> we can't afford that. So I know. No, no, no.
0: As y'all know, while Edward was at Essen, he conducted over. 20 interviews with designers and publishers
1: which was a blast exhausting and wrecked my voice yes but totally worth it <laughs> totally worth it cannot wait for you to be able to go this year and well maybe try and save my voice a little bit and you get to do some of the right interviews. we'll
0: both be ravaged by the end of the thing nobody so, will be able to understand either one of us. that's all
1: right no big deal
0: so we've been releasing them sporadically on the show, and since we were doing Tramways, we thought today would be a good opportunity to release the Alvin Viard interview that you did while over there. So without further ado, here we go.
1: I got a... All right, so I'm here at Spiel 16, 2016, and I'm very fortunate to finally, you are- finally finally be able to sit down and talk with uh tramways designer clinic small city etc cetera, etc cetera, alban Viard. so thank you for joining me
2: thank you uh edward i'm very happy to 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 teach with you to to speak with you and uh, you are a very uh, persevering man to, to convince me to, to speak in English.
1: Right, because uh, I, I've, I've tried for six, eight months to yes. get an interview with you and you're like, my English isn't so good, no, we do a written interview. I said I'm a podcast, it's audio, it's got to be audio. And, uh, and you were like, I, was, I, I need a day. Yes, I, I need a, a week, uh, a month, <laughs> a year. <laughs> Uh, your English is fine okay. So, okay thank you so let's start out with um, let's start out with tramways so this uh, is your latest greatest uh, hugely successful Kickstarter?
2: Yeah. yes I'm very happy about uh, how the campaign uh, uh, ends finally uh, I'm very happy about the components inside the tramways because finally uh, I reached German uh, quality uh, very thick uh, boards. Uh, very, uh, the, the cards are lining and uh, I'm very happy of the quality of the components compared to Kleinek and Small City. So I think I improve the the, the game components in evolution yes, in your production. In, yes, in my production. But I cannot say about the game itself, the games itself, uh, the games are living. It's the opinion of the of the gamers. But for the game quality, I am very happy of my last production, thanks to uh, Kickstarter, and as well thanks to all the US bakers. Awesome. So, has it been doing well here at Spiel so yes, far? Yes, uh, the sales are going very well. Um, we had uh, many baker's reservation, and I tried to, to cheap all the European bakers uh, before I come to Germany, and because uh, I, um, there are very few bakers uh, from Europe and to easy to, to cheap all the European bakers, and also the Asian Bakers are their copies. But for the US Bakers, I'm sorry, but they have to wait a few weeks more because the cargoes uh, are going slowly... Uh, across the ocean? Across the ocean.
1: No worries. Maybe I,
2: in one month it's, it will be the way I, at your door. The way I
1: see it, especially with Spiel going on, we all have plenty of games to play in the meantime, right?
2: Yes, and there are
1: 1,000 games to play on the show. Awesome. <laughs> So let's talk design philosophy. So your, all your games seem to revolve around the same general civ building, city building, yes, and, that's right.
2: and so why? Where does why? that come from? I'm very, When I was young, I was very impressed by transit maps. Uh, when you travel, uh, I can look uh, at them uh, during hours and hours. So um, I'm very concerned about uh, the theme of, of the city. And because I have no money, I cannot buy a license of Star Wars for selling my games. So I try to, to, to create my proper license, small city. And I try to design all my games around or inside small city. So that's right now with Tramways we are going to uh, moving passengers inside a, a city. You do not have to have this uh, the, the bo- a box of small city, of course. All games are standalone games, but it is uh, all the time a story, uh, a great story. I hope around uh, the city and uh, the buildings and um, my 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 inspiration, my inspiration, yeah.
1: inspiration, inspiration.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, are coming from is coming from the reality. I try to, to see how a, a city is evolving, is is upgrading by itself and uh, I imagine how I can uh, simplify it because because it's reality it's very complex to put all the reality inside a game and I try to simplify the mechanics inside a real city into the games so for example in small city the buildings are evolving by themselves depending on the neighboring and that's exactly uh, uh, what is uh, in a real city how it right. really happens in a real city so that that's my first uh, inspiration the reality. the reality and I try to simplify it to simplify it and to keep the least abstract as possible because when you simplify at the most at, the, at a very high point it, it becomes abstract so sometimes in some mechanics, there is some abstract things that may happen but that that's because the reality is too complex to, to put in the game.
1: If you were sitting across the table, or sitting talking to a, someone who's never played an album VR or AV game uh, studio yeah. game, is there a certain progression or an order in which, in a perfect world, they would play your games in this order, or just whatever, whatever suits?
2: Uh, it depends if you like medium AV games or light games. If you like AV games, you can pick up whatever games on my line, except maybe Card City, which is a, a easy easy game. But see, now, and
1: here I disagree on Card City yeah. because it's a it's a filler game. Yes, but but it, 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 I think it's 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 good at what it does.
2: I think yes, it's fantastic it, yes, for, for what it, for it does. For the time duration, yes, it's good exactly. But for the mechanism and the complexity level of the game. Yes, it's, it will be easier to, to, to start with card city, then with town center, and then with small city. But you have to know that I designed for small city. And then I simplify it because it was too expensive for me to, to release the game. Okay. Because of the number of tiles, and the cards, and the material.
1: There's a lot of stuff in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's
2: right. So I, 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 uh, I simplify the rules, and I make with small city a card game called card city. And then... Um, I develop a, a, the same game, but in three dimensions. And with the money of both, I can buy and put money uh, to, to produce small city. And when Kickstarter comes in my life, and arrive in France as well, and I get some links with Heracles from Rudy Creations and many good contacts, and then I can um, make my own campaign in this year. This year.
1: So, speaking of your company, AV yeah. Game Studios, you started out designing Age of Steam
2: maps, and yes. you
1: still design yes, Age of Steam a maps.
2: Few maps, nine. What? Why? Why did you start there? Uh, you mean designing Age of Steam maps first? Um, first, I design nothing, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then
2: I, I, in 2002 and 2003 and 2004, I, col- I try. I begin collecting games. A lot of, lot of, lot of games. I, I can had, relate. I, I had in my in my house maybe two thousand games. At this period, at this period, right? And um, we were very impressed by the game Age of Steam in, in itself. It's it, itself.
1: phenomenal. It's yes. an absolute yes. Hall of Fame game. Yes. Yes. Very
2: yes. pure, very simple mechanics, mechanics, and uh, very tough math. Very tough uh, game to master. Each time the game is different. Each time the game is different. It's not completely re- the the truth. That's why I want to, to change the rules inside Age of Steam, because I we after one hundred or two hundred games of Age of Steam, you think that the map, the maps of the first expansion in Ireland in in England was not were not enough uh, for my group, and we start to to change a little bit the rules. And that was the beginning of the story of designing games in my life. In fact. I try. I start with Age of Steam because it's a perfect delivery game. Uh, Eve Tram race is, at more, um, uh, thematic, is more thematic. It's more thematic. It's less abstract, but it's is less pure than Age of Steam, I think. And when you when you try to modify a little bit the rules you understand how the game works, how the mat is inside the game. And if you change this, oh, it is not good for the game. It's so a it,
1: butterfly effect. Exactly. Kind of.
2: So you, you have a kind of cylinder. Uh, c- uh, yes. And you, you you must stay in this. You can make something chaotic inside. But if you are outside, then it is a butterfly effect. That, I learned a lot about how to design a game when you design expansions for a game. Because you you have the the limit, the rules are already there, and you just find how can I change, for example, only the delivery system, only the the auction system, only only, only the tiles, only uh, if I had high, high, high mountains. Uh, If you remember, uh, there is a map in Chile where there, is, there are high mountains which cost $5. What's, what kind of impacts we have on the game? And I have to modify this, and if I modify this, I have to modify this. And when you design a game, you exactly do this. But you have more power because you have no rules. No actually, right, right, no actually, limits. Yes, you have no limit. And when you have your limit, it's good for the imagination, but it's very stressful because you have no limit, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and that's, that's very powerful, but that's very, uh, that's throwing that's you in fact, because you can do whatever you want, but nothing works indeed. It's, it can be funny in your mind, but nothing is enjoyable. So there are many good ideas in your mind that are not perfect or enjoyable on the paper when you uh, are starting cutting with scissors your first prototypes. So. One
1: map in particular that I feel like is just mind meltingly fantastic, and a lot of people, the moon. Yes. Exactly. With the wraparound tiles.
2: Yes. How, how did you come up with that idea? Just. Just reality. Yeah? But it's not reality. If you imagine it is a Taurus. Right. It's not a planet, in fact. It's mathematically a Taurus. So, um, we just, uh, I think it was in 2004. I designed my first map, it was in the Netherlands, that I released in 2009. From my, and I released a second edition two years ago. And the moon was my second map, second map. And I love how the night and day interfere uh, between the side of the moon, because we, with my first daughter, we were watching a cartoon and, uh, she was young, and there were day and night, and day and night, and day and night. And I think, oh, we have just finished a, a, a game of Age of Steam, and when it's night, everything is dark. Oh, the cities could be dark on the other side, and then it would <laughs> okay. be the day. Because I, I was awake I was awake during the night to fulfill my children, the... the, the, the the, le- the milk, right? Uh, and so that's why how I designed the night and the day, and there was no numbers around the moon at this at this period. But the mechanism doesn't work very well because when you built on one side, you cannot reach the other side. You cannot reach the other side. But you can. You just have to connect and add a number, and you can reach the other side. That's it. Awesome. Uh, that, yes, it's that's a, amazing. That's a, it's
1: amazing. Yes. Hey, so watching a cartoon. Uh, Gave you the inspiration to design the movie. Uh, it that's was amazing. just because
2: we, I can, we cannot sleep. And so I just uh, watch the TV. It was just a cartoon because it was the night. And I look at the window, oh, it's night. That's it. <laughs> 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 and the ideas are coming like this. But sometimes, that never works in the game. And one time, that could work. Awesome. So
1: do you have anything else planned after Tramways? What's next?
2: Uh, I would like to, to, to continue the story uh, uh, on Small City and to now play Small City in the future. So um, I think that my next game will, will, will be Archaeology, which will be Small City in the future, uh, with three-dimensional aspects.
1: You kill me with that, man. You Yes. Kill, uh, clinic, I, I know Amanda has yeah. told you. It's the only game she's ever quit in the middle of the game. It broke her brain. The 3D aspect just she's <laughs> I, I I tap out. But so.
2: what I don't like with Town Center is that uh, there is no uh, there is not enough interaction between the players. And um, I want to I have ideas to design a Town Center with small city IDs, but with only one map. Only and all the players will have a cube on the common map. With a mechanism of a new mechanism of development by itself, I'm very fascinated by the mechanism that if you play well, you are eroded by the game, and your 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 city is developing again and again. Like you did, like you can play in Card City, in terms Center. If you play well, there is an automatic development phase. I love this 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 mechanism.
1: To so where it's it's uh, the game working against you in a sense and. Uh, it's a, a, on a treadmill, an yeah. uphill treadmill, yeah.
2: kind yeah. of. Yes, of course. So maybe after tram race, I will uh, will be not sure for next year because we need some to test again and again with a computer and uh, uh, probably expansion for tram race as well. Oh? Yes. But don't tell to your <laughs> to listener. And because on tram race, you are uh, building an abstract Mac. There are infinite maps possible, but it is abstract. So you connect different areas on the building. So,
1: so let me guess, you're going to have actual
2: locations exactly. that you're building. Tramways, tramways, transported in the real cities. San Francisco, yeah. Denver, New York, etc. Oh, my bad. Tokyo, Shanghai, <laughs> uh, Adelaide, Paris with the Seine. You can use the Seine to move your passengers as well and maybe in New York as well.
1: You're killing me. I haven't even gotten a chance to play trainways and I can't wait, I already can't wait to play the expansions, yes, this but is just awesome.
2: learn the rules and then we can transport the rules in another countries and in other cities.
1: Awesome. All right, Swell, this has been fantastic. I, I, I you. appreciate you taking the time and letting me kind of pick your brain as though yeah. what where you get your inspiration from? Yes,
2: I think you you have just stolen one thing in my brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so thanks a lot for the time. Uh, uh, enjoy. Well, you're leaving actually. You're uh, heading yes, back home, this right? Night,
2: yes. yes this so
1: night. I um, I appreciate that you took thank the time to do this, about, yes. and it's been two years in the making for me finally thank to you. be able to sit yes, down with you. So thank you.
2: The designer. Uh, I am independent designer, and we all appreciate how you speak about our games. So it's a big thing to Edward that find finally a way to all the, the geeks to, to have uh, someone that represents them. In a way. In a way. In a way.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I, I got no. I What do you say to that? All right. Uh, thank, you thank you very and, much and uh, travel home safe. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. This was one of the most enjoyable and enlightening interviews that I've conducted, and I hope that y'all enjoyed it as much as I did sitting with Alvin. So thanks again to Alvin for taking the time to sit with me just before he had to take off uh, back home to France. This year, however, Alvin, since I know you're listening, I hope you can stick around long enough for the Heavy Cardboard Meetup on Friday at Spiel. No excuse not to.
0: You have plenty of notice this time.
1: A big thank you to all our new. We want to thank the great folks over at Game Surplus for their sponsorship of the show. Fantastic folks, a great reputation, along with an ever-growing, amazing inventory of imported and hard-to-find games. Well, you can see why we're proud to be partnered with Game Surplus. Their tagline, home of great games at great prices. So check them out, gamesurplus.com. And when you do, mention and tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. Patreon supporters, as well as those continuing to support the show, a quick shout out to all the new supporters. Owain Bennett, Rob Crosby from Down Under, Patrick Pilot, Ethan Chua, Ash the Scrollbar Jackson, (laughs) Harold John Vogel, Osgar Sams-Grennerud, Daniel Montgomery, Carmen Petrozelli, Gareth Knowles. Joe Sturgis, and Phil Campo. Thanks a bunch to all of y'all. And now, for those that increased their pledges since the last time we did this, Ian Delaney, Kent, Nicholas Coe, and Joshua Coker. Thanks a bunch, y'all. Seriously, really, really appreciate it. It, it.
0: means so much, guys. Thank you so much.
2: Hi, it's Albon Viard. I am with Edouard, the manager, the, the headquarter of Heavy Cardboard. We are actually at the fair. Uh, it's 9 o'clock. Oh no, it's 8 o'clock. Yes. Close enough. Yes. And I'm the, also the designer of Card City, Town Center, Clinic. What else? Small city. And finally, Tramways. Yes. And I have fun with uh, Heavy Cardboard.
0: Tramways, designed by Albon Viard, released in 2016 artwork is by Sampo Sikia and Paul Lan It is published by AV Studio Games, which is Albin's own publishing company. It plays one to five players in about 120 minutes. It's currently available directly from AV Studio Games for 50 euros, and it's also on Kickstarter for the next four days, along with a couple of expansion maps. I've now played the game a full 10 times across all multiplayer counts.
1: Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yep.
0: We, the only one that we haven't done is one play. Is yeah, solo, tray, solo. Yeah. yeah. It scales really well across all the player counts.
1: Yeah, I think so. As the size of the maps dictated by the uh, number of players using two map tiles per player. However, if you want a tighter game, Alvin says you can reduce the total map size by a tile, meaning in a normal four-player game, there'd be eight map tiles, but you can always play with six mm-hmm. or seven uh, to condense the play area and force more player interaction.
0: Yeah, we did that once, and that was very tight. So what's going on in the game?
1: In the fifth installment of Alvin Viard's Small City series, players are now city planners of Small City, working to set up the most effective train network for the citizens of the town. The trains must take citizens to all of the tried and true building types in Small City, residential, commercial, leisure, and industrial. Ultimately, Tramways is a modern hybrid of route building, pickup and deliver, and deck building, all built upon the bones of Age of Steam.
0: Sums it up real well.
1: So let's start out talking about the components, where I feel Albin's definitely come a long way on the publishing side of his games. Everything about the production here feels right. The cards are linen, the auction board is a thick-mounted board, wooden discs for everything, and the player boards and the map tiles are thick cardboard, and even they have a nice linen Mm -hmm. finish on them. Track pieces are solid cardboard, albeit a little fiddly due to their smaller size, but completely appropriately sized, I feel like, for for what it is. However, there is Martin Wallace money. (laughs) And the player aids are on cards, which there's one per player, which work well to remind you what you can and can't do each action. However, there's a bit of an omission, and by a bit, I mean a major one, but we'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah, it definitely needs a better player aid.
1: The box size is the same size as an Agricola and similar bookcase size boxes, basically 12 and half inches by nine inches by just over two inches, or 32 by 23 by six centimeters. Now as far as graphic design, overall for me, I was pleased with things here. However, happiness points, which are victory points, and we're going to call them victory points from here out, mm-hmm. they're represented on cards as numbers inside of a hexagon. That's fine. However, the only place on the score track that shows this is the zero space, and even then, it's too small. It would have been a better choice to use the hexagonal shape all the way around through the score track.
0: Yeah, it it can be a little bit confusing whenever you're already in the midst of learning the game, you know, so I feel like it should have either been a hexagon or a rectangle. Choose one or the other.
1: The lettering to differentiate the different decks of cards could have been slightly larger Mm -hmm. as... They're pretty small. I have good eyesight, but not everybody does. And even then, uh, it could have been a little bit bigger, I think.
0: And clearer because the, the font that was used was black, and most of the cards are pretty dark.
1: And on that note, the color differences between the decks themselves could have been a bit more differentiated because in low light conditions, some of the colors, like there's a gray and a darker gray, they can look similar for setting up the game. During gameplay, it's a non-issue, but for setup, uh, that, that that can be an issue.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, there's Like you said, there's one that's darker, and the darker one has a bit of a purple tint to it, so that's how I've been able to differ- differentiate between the two.
1: Moving on to the artwork. It's got a very Art Deco style that, at least to me, it's, it's pleasing to yeah, the it's- eye. The box cover, in my opinion, is striking and tastefully done. It mm-hmm. harkens back to a time gone by. Yeah. Minimal artwork throughout the game, but I feel like where it is is well implemented.
0: I agree. And it, it appears that Paul Lon is the one that did the front cover. And I'm guessing that because he's listed as well as um, Sampo Cinco. And uh, Sampo did the artwork for Clinic and Small City. So that would say to me that he did like the inside stuff and the board and everything. And Paul did the... The box cover. Cool. Let's talk about the rulebook.
1: Albin's definitely moving in the right direction in regards to rulebook writing, but there's there's still definitely some issues here. In Spots, it's as if Albin is assuming a familiarity with Age of Steam, which is fine for us personally because mm-hmm. we know Age of Steam really well. However, not everybody will. And there is a FAQ, and FAQ on, on BoardGameGeek, and Albin's really active in the forums, but still, I do wish that he would conduct blind testing with his rules with a native English speaker prior to this going to print. And it's not just an Albin issue. I've been harping on this over the last few months, that publishers need to step up when it comes to rule books, because if there's any issues with your rule book, Potentially, you're turning off customers and future customers from your game. Stop doing it. Take the extra time and take the extra whatever it takes, the extra step, and do that. The game's certainly playable, and it is decipherable from the rulebook for the most part. And I say that because we played the first handful of games wrong. Yep. Uh, Just because the layout isn't... Like there, if you don't read all the examples, you can infer mm-hmm. other things from the rule book. There are references to the pool. The pool is the discard. But for instance, uh, when you spend cards as money in the auction, it never says to discard the cards into your pool.
0: Mm-hmm. So you keep them,
1: right? Like- exactly, and it and it's stuff like this that would be caught with blind testing. So just as an example, so I, I would say. If I were to grade it, it would be a, a three on a one to six scale, but it's definitely better than his previous rule books. So there's that.
0: Yeah, and I I don't really do the rule books as everybody knows, but I have to say that it's it's really kind of irritating when major rules are written in either the sidebar or in examples. That's yes. just it doesn't seem right or clear to me at all.
1: Agreed. Now, normally here, I would talk about setup, down, teaching, and learning and how to go through all that. But honestly, with the new video channel with our playthroughs, just recommend checking that out. So yep. go look at that for setup and teaching.
0: <laughs> YouTube.com slash heavy cardboard vids.
1: All right. So... The five factors that give the game its weight, at least in our opinion. First and foremost, we have complexity. What do you think?
0: The main basic rules of the game aren't extremely complex. And by the main basic rules, I mean you do this and this and this on your turn. But after that baseline, it gets more difficult.
1: Agreed. I There's a fair bit to remember, but some of it is intuitive and yeah. some of it is not. The auction absolutely is going to be tricky for new players to grok Mm -hmm. uh, because it very much is unique. There's no other game out there that does an auction like how this is, and we'll talk about more of that in a little bit. Uh, The one thing that is an advantage though here, or that doesn't have a ton of complexity, is the final scoring. Really straightforward on that. So I do feel like there's a, a fair bit of rules complexity here. Uh, that could have been solved with a better player aid Mm -hmm. that isn't solved as it is. Yes,
0: I would agree with that.
1: Moving on to planning as far as, you know, well, the decision matrix here. I feel like it's a mixed bag, but it leans more so on the tactical versus the strategic side. Mm -hmm. Strategic in a sense that you can plan out your track lays and buildings that you want to build and and what track lays you want to upgrade, but... This is very much not multiplayer solitaire, so you very well could have your plans thwarted. Tactical, in a sense that you draw a new hand of cards from your assembled deck each and every round. So, you're a lot of times, depending on how the auctions go, and you're acquiring some of those negative cards in the auction, possibly, you're forced to make lemonade out of Mm lemons. So, that's absolutely a tactical side of it also not getting turn order how you want it's going to impact this as well so valuing your bids in the auction is going to be critical to planning out your entire turn and it's very well possible that hey in a four-player game i'm going second and okay i think i'm in good shape i already have my three actions for the round planned out and everything's good to go but then the first player, you know, jacks that up. Yep. And then, okay, back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. So now let me, give me a minute, that type thing. So there, I feel like there's a significant amount of planning. It's just whether or not it's tactical or strategic.
0: Right. They, you can have a good overview of what you might want to be able to do in your turn or just throughout the game. You know, once you have g- your parcels dealt to you, you can kind of get an idea of where you want to build and everything. But if, you mess that up for me, then ah crap. Okay, then let's see what else we can do. Let's go around it a different way. And um, planning long runs and more importantly, being able to see those runs—that is the tricky part for me, and it makes for a difficult game for me because I have a harder time. It's harder for me to see that far ahead. I'm more of a okay, what am I going to do this turn type of player.
1: Well, and this harkens back again. We're going to be referencing Age's theme a whole lot in this review. Uh, It does harken back to looking at the board at the beginning of a game in Age of Steam and trying to figure out, okay, these cubes are going to come out here and do all this. And where is my six run? Mm -hmm. Where can I map out my six run Uh, as far as a a six-step delivery? And in this, it can be somewhat similar in that regards. But again, just like in Age of Steam, players are going to jack with that inevitably. Yep. And so that whole... Tactical versus strategic definitely comes into play here. Yes. As opposed to Age of Steam, talking about luck and random factors in this game, there's a fair bit of randomness here and a little bit of luck. Mm -hmm. So the randomness from the initial map setup, the ticket book setup, the auction card deck, and the initial turn order. And then the luck comes in the form of your hand draws from within the deck of cards that you've acquired in the order in which you draw them. So... Anybody who does not like any amount of luck or any amount of randomness, stop here. It's not going to be a game for you. Exactly. Yet.
0: Yes. Because, I mean, if you don't get the cards that you need in your draw, then you're not going to be able to do what you need. If you are or a- never able to get a residential card, then you can never deliver to a residential. It just... that is can be extremely frustrating.
1: I agree. Uh, so so the randomness does play a part here, uh, the, and it definitely... Acts against the weight of the game because, it, but at the same time, being forced to deal with, you know, make those lemonade, make that lemonade out of lemons. I feel like that actually, you could argue, actually contributes to oh, the weight I, of the game.
0: I think it definitely adds to it because you have to figure out other ways to get done what you need to get done with whatever it was that you drew. Yeah,
1: I I, I totally can see that. So that's an interesting uh, interesting way to to see how luck actually or randomness here could actually add to the mm-hmm. weight contribute which is totally just flies in the face of what you would normally yeah. think, right?
0: Yeah, but huh. I definitely think it does.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think I can see that as well. Now as far as game length goes Assuming a normal pace of play, I feel like the game it it the game like just fits mm-hmm. here for the game. It it neither races to a conclusion nor does it really drag itself no, out.
0: I feel like it's perfect for it's a perfect length for what it is.
1: And last but not least the the getting it. How long does it take somebody to get it?
0: And as I said earlier, the basic rules, the what you can do on your turn, the that t- those base rules, you can do that from being taught. But what type of card, when to play it, when to play this type of card versus that type of card? What you can oh, do. Do. I,
1: do I want to yes. hold on to this card that has a rail worker? That, but man, it's the only one with this yep. leisure or with this leisure that, destination and
0: Oh, uh, that that took me a while.
1: So so what would you say? Would you say partial game, full game, multiple games, what?
0: I would say at least at least five turns, if not a whole game, to understand what to do when with your card.
1: I would disagree. I would say it's only going to be a couple of turns to be able to grok everything and be like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Now, you might forget, oh, yeah, I also need a rail worker to be able to build rail. I get that. But as far as the actual, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing now. The actual doing it well? (laughs) I'm 10 plays in, and I still feel like I suck at this game. Yes,
0: I do as well, but I... I just I would highly disagree. I think it was going to take a lot more than two turns. At least, at least it did for me. Okay.
1: All right. Well. So it could be inside of a game. It's just whether it's a full game or early on a exactly. partial yeah, game. Yeah. All right. Fair yes. enough. All we right.
0: can agree on one game.
1: All right. So ultimately, where does the game fall in your opinion, as far as weight range goes?
0: It's medium heavy for me. I,
1: I think so because the game is. It's just not that hard of a game no. as far as like there's not a ton of rules. Mm-mm. Some of them can be a little fiddly here or there, I get that. But it's just I guess where where I'm inclined to agree with you in the in medium, medium heavy, I should say, is it's really hard to make lemonade out of lemons yes. and being forced to make good decisions with the hand that you've been dealt, quite yep. literally. Yeah. So yeah, I guess medium, medium heavy. It feels like it should be medium. But...
0: Right, but once you add those cards in?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll buy that. So we enjoy the game, at least in some aspects, mm-hmm. right? At a minimum.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The...
1: So what makes it, what makes it enjoyable?
0: Well, the frustration of the deck building is both enjoyable and it's frustrating. I enjoy that part of the game. I enjoy the puzzle of trying to figure out what to do and when. But I hate it when I don't get the cards I need.
1: Draw better. Simple fix. <laughs> yeah, duh. No, I, I totally agree with you in in that respect that it's it can be maddening and extremely frustrating. Oh, that's right. That reminds me a lot of another game, i.e. Age of Steam. Yep. Which it really does give that Age of Steam feel, but it also feels like its own game, which in my opinion is a fantastic thing. Auction Mechanic. Far and Away is original, and it punishes poor bids. So, okay, we haven't really talked or explained the the auction itself. So here you go. Multiplayer game. First player bids any number amount, uh, cash amount that they want, from pass going last or up to the amount of money that they have in front of them, as well as any money Symbols on cards, and when you bid that, you pay that right away. So, if you bid three and you pay from a hand from a card in your hand, you discard that card that's one less card of your hand limit that you can now play throughout the turn, and then you pay two bucks cash. Cool, no problem. The second player now bids, say, two, they can bid less, no problem just to be able to stay in the auction, because the auction can go round after round after round. Mm -hmm. The third player, their option, they can't bid anything that the previous players that round have bid, or what their existing bid was. Well, they haven't bid yet, so they could, in this case, the first player bid three, second player bid two. If the third player bids four, okay, cool. Well, everyone pays their amount. Then we start back over. It's now the first player. First player is no longer the leading bid. Okay, so now it starts over. So they cannot bid what they previously bid, i.e. the $3. They could bid one, two, four, five, et cetera, or pass. Well, maybe there's a really bad auction card out there that that does nothing good for them. So they don't want that. So they bid another $4. Okay, cool. So they're tied for first place right now. But they've spent $7. Mm-hmm. The second player is like, you know what? I'm only in for a little bit. I'll take the hit with the crap card. They pass. Well, we get back to the third player who's tied with the first. They can't bid the same amount. So maybe they bid $5 at this point. Okay, so now they're out 9 So it gets back to the first player. Can't bid 4 because that's what you've already bid. And you're already out, what? Seven dollars. Do you really want to pay five or six more to be able to go first instead of second? Nah, they pass, and the final player well, he's alone in first, they pass, they become first player. But the catch whoever becomes first player, you get an additional stress, Mm -hmm. and stress is points you're going to lose at the end of the game, much like your uh, your shares, uh, your issued shares in Age of Steam. So, to put this in perspective now. In our most recent game, we played a three player game with me, Amanda, and Matt. I bid $8, being the first player. Ended up, that was good enough. I think you bid seven or six, and Matt bid seven, whatever. So I took first for $8. But then you two got into a bidding Mm -hmm. war, and it ended up Matt bid $15 total and ended up third in a three player game. I bid eight and went first. Uh So a lot of people I've read in comments and in reviews and everything that they hate this aspect that you can pay far more money and end up going later in turn order than the player that won it. I disagree completely because you know what? Bid better, make better decisions, value mm-hmm. things better. So I think that is a fantastic thing about this game.
0: Yeah, the auction is a beauty. It's it's just it's crazy and fun and And we've had multiple games where the first player will bid, you know, what everybody else around the table feels is is an astronomical amount, you know, five, eight, whatever. Then they get first and then everybody else winds up paying double, triple what they did and they're not even anywhere near first place.
1: Yep, exactly. I I think that's a uh, it's a devious little little turn order uh, variant from uh, from. Again, built off of Aegis' theme. Mm-hmm. I think that's really well done, really clever. And I realize we're kind of belaboring the point of the auction, but it is such an important aspect of the game because it not only is going to drive turn order for that entire round, but it's also going to dictate what auction cards mm-hmm. you have a choice from. Because in a three player game, there's going to be three auction cards out there, I would say roughly half of them suck and suck really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't want it, if if there's one really bad card and, and you really don't want it, don't go last. Okay, but maybe you don't care about turn order, but you really care about the card or the other way around. You don't really care about what card you add to your deck, but you care about turn order. So there's multiple things that you're having to take into consideration in this auction. It's not just about turn order.
0: Yeah, I agree you really have to pay attention to what everyone else is doing. It's it's very easy to focus on what you're doing, what your game is doing, and not even pay attention to anything else. And that's a problem. You have to be able to pay attention.
1: Yeah, you got to not only play your game, but everybody mm-hmm. else's game yeah. to be able to see what they're doing. Yep. Because maybe it's important you go ahead of another player mm-hmm. so that they don't build where you want to build your track.
0: Right, I mean, and maybe one person has a, as an outright monopoly on a long run to a leisure building. Maybe you take someone's long run away, you know, to, you may have to sacrifice points and money, but Hey, if, if it helps you in the long run, if it helps you more than them, then it's worth it.
1: Not only that, but that's also one of the great ways to be able to neuter a quote unquote runaway leader, yep. which this game has been accused of having a runaway leader. I disagree. It has a fall away trailer. Yes. Problem. Uh, it's up to the other players. And this kind of reminds me of an 18xx game mm-hmm. in that, ask yourself, am I winning? If the answer is no, change,
0: change it. And and much like Age of Steam or an XX, if you mess up early or play something wrong early, you're going to have a hard time catching up.
1: Yeah, there is no, there's no hand-holding in no. this game, and there shouldn't be. No. Again, much like Age of Steam. Yep. So we mentioned stress, and we mentioned the auction, but in the final round of the auction... You get double the stress if you end up the first player, which can be rather punitive Mm -hmm. uh, in a good and bad way. So, players can, if they don't mind going later in turn order, they can actually, everybody can just pass in turn order and force whoever was last the previous round or in the fifth round going into the sixth round to automatically go first, even with a null bid, even Mm -hmm. with a zero bid, and take that double stress, which you can go. From 8 to 21 points lost, up two jumps, the last two jumps on your player yes. board it because of that stress. So you're talking a 13-point swing could be massive. Now, there are ways to lower your stress and there are ways to mitigate that. But it can be used as a tool, and I like that. Or, mm-hmm. well, if by a tool I mean a hammer.
0: <laughs> yeah. And There's so much replayability. And each tile is double-sided. There are so many cards. There are so many cards.
1: And you can also customize the pain threshold of the game between Mm -hmm. using the regular side of the the tiles or the harder side, the asterisk side of the tiles, and the other side of the player board. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll be honest. We're 10 plays in. Still haven't been motivated at all to try the harder side of the player board. Nope. Because not only is the stress track truncated, there's less spots on it but they actually are more painful. They go up higher. On the regular side, they max out at 21 negative points. On the back side, I think there's three or four less spaces. And they go up to 28. Not to mention, it's one less rail worker yep. that you get. And the reason rail workers matter is because you must use those to be able to lay track. And so that can be... That's just that's just sick. I yeah. mean, I, I have a little bit of masochist in me. But damn, Alvin. <laughs> seriously. Seriously.
0: We actually accidentally played on the hard side of the player boards once.
1: No, uh, of the of the map tiles. The map
0: tiles, I mean, yeah, yeah. And we couldn't figure out why. It was so much harder than the time before. We couldn't right? figure out why. Oh, yeah, okay.
1: So, multi-use cards. I really dig them. Uh, they also come with a double-edged sword in that if you... Each card has up to five different symbols on it mm-hmm. in which you could use in a given action. It's, it's usually... Uh, anywhere between one and three of the symbols on each card you could use in a given action, depending on which action you want to do, whether it's build or upgrade track, build or upgrade a building, or move a passenger, i.e. move a cube in Age of Steam. Very similar. So whenever you choose to use multiple icons on these cards, each icon that you use past the first on the same card Part, stress. So stress is a really, really big factor in this game and mitigating that stress and being able to either deliver to residential, which lowers your stress, or being able to have, add cards into your deck that lower stress mm-hmm. are important. But I'll be honest, those are pretty few and far yeah, between. Yeah, they're rare cards. And so you really do have to manage the amount of stress that you're spending throughout the game so you don't go hog wild on that.
0: Yeah. And I love deck builders. You know, I love the frustration and the figuring out what to do with the cards you're dealt. And, I mean, add in trackling and route running. And, yeah.
1: You know, maybe that explains why I have such a hard time with this game and rarely win Tramways. Because, as a general rule, I suck at deck builders. Like, I've never won at Dominion. Ever. Right. And so, yeah, maybe that makes sense. I enjoy it. I'm just terrible Terrible. at that Mm -hmm. aspect of it. So there's lots of room for artistic and out-of-the-box thinking in this game. There's more so here than I thought there would be. Because passengers can be delivered to any destination, it really gives you flexibility and it lends itself to thinking of original routes. Like, hey, maybe I'll, tra- I'll move this passenger this one link onto your track, but it adds three stops on mine. So all of a sudden, instead of it being a, a three-step delivery for three points, it's now, I don't know, a seven-step delivery, the first of which gives you one, but it gives me six. Right. And yeah, okay, cool. So there's ways to really be creative uh with both your track lane as well as the delivering of passengers because of that flexibility of any passenger can be delivered to any building. Mm-hmm. Now You would think deck builder and something that has negative cards, there's got to be a way to purge your deck, right? No, uh-uh, nope, not at all. There is no deck purging whatsoever. So once you, you have a bad card in your deck, it's there like luggage. You will never, ever get rid of it. So it becomes tricky because if you draw these cards, and you inevitably will throughout the game, Some of them impart stress whenever to be able to get rid of them out of your hand, but they just go into your discard. Some of them cost $3 in which to discard them. Mm -hmm. Some of them require both of those things. So it's an interesting balance of do I want to get rid of this, but then take the risk of drawing it right back into my hand because you are limited on hand size, be Mm -hmm. it seven, eight or nine, depending on how many industrial buildings you've built. So it does make you make you contemplate. You know what? I'll just hold on to it and mm-hmm. just draw one less card. Yeah. That type thing.
0: That's what in the I've only luckily have only gotten one void card the whole in every play that we've played.
1: Must be not Nice. Yeah. Teach me your ways.
0: <laughs> Bid better in the auction. Yeah. Apparently. Um and. I, I got it, luckily, early, so I made sure that I built an industrial building so that I could increase my hand size, and that way it mitigated it for me. Oh,
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's actually a really good way to do that, yeah. except there's only a finite amount of those buildings yep. of each type that you can build, because the, the game has some printed on it, but then players can build on their parcels. However, in a three-player game, there's only two of each type of building that you can build, so there's always one less than the number of players. So it's cool to be able to increase your hand size. Unless you're the last player Mm -hmm. to do it, well, then you're not gonna get to increase your hand size. So there's one other cool thing about this that uh, is a house rule, I guess you could say, that we do. So at the beginning of the game, you can randomize the setup of the boards. Like, okay, in a three-player game, we have six boards. Cool, we'll randomly just put them out there. Or you could do what we do which is a randomly select one of the J tile or J tiles that you have to for the map board. The other two would discard it. But then there's, I don't know, what, 10, 11 other tiles? Yeah, sounds right. So then we draft them. So, okay, you draft one and then you place it out there in whatever configuration you want. So instead of it being a three by two grid, it could be... A circle with a hole in the middle it could be you know some sideways some horizontal some uh, vertical you can make it however you want so that kind of goes back to that whole replayability man even though there's there's only one map, granted there's two more with the expansion uh, Kickstarter going on right now, but even with just those tiles, there is just a crap ton of replayability like you talked yeah. about earlier, but I really dig the idea of being able to draft the tiles and making the board... Oh, I see how you put that. Uh, I want to make it a little easier over here, maybe a little Mm -hmm. harder over there, that type thing.
0: And another house rule we have is drafting the parcels. We don't deal those out. We draft those. Actually,
1: that's an official variant. I think think it is. Maybe it's not. But yeah, like you said, everybody starts with four parcels. So instead of just, here, this is what you get, Mm -hmm. if you want to... Add a little bit more strategery in yep. there. You can always draft those as well. All right. So the flip side of things, things not so hot. Setup can be a bit of a pain putting the different decks together and, yeah. and like, wait, is this the auction deck or is this the parcel deck? How many parcels do we get in that? So it's it's it's, it's tedious Yeah, a little bit. It's a little clunky mm-hmm. for setup, um, but once setup's done, it, it's it's a non-issue yeah. and, and it's just something to be aware of
0: the lack of a good player aid?
1: Yeah, all right so earlier we mentioned that each player has its own has their own player aid and on the front side it's broken down into the three steps of each round. There's the auction take uh, and it, that's laid out really well. The middle says what actions you can take during the your your first time through you get to take one action. The second time through you get to take two mm-hmm. actions. That's not pointed out on the player aid, right. but it does say what actions are available. And then in the third step, which is the administrative phase, it's, uh, it shows what symbols can be played. That's all fine and good. And then on the flip side of that card, it shows whenever you deliver a passenger, these are the different, when you deliver to uh, different buildings, you get these extra benefits. Cool. And that's laid out crystal clear and very, very well, I think. Yeah. One small exception about the uh, commercial buildings. It should be in parentheses, plus you get a stress as opposed to it looks like you get a strat or you get a ticket book card or Or, you get $5 and a stress. But what it is, it's either the ticket book or the $5 and And, a stress. Um, So outside of that one little thing, I think that that player card does a really, really good job. However, like you said, the lack of a player aid. It doesn't tell you how to do these actions. And until you are well experienced in this game, you're going to forget Mm -hmm. little things about this. Like, for instance, to lay track, you need track cards based on how much track you're going to lay. Am I laying three track or am I laying five track? You need those many symbols to be able to lay track. Okay, that seems pretty, that seems common sense. You need a rail worker. Okay, if I have one of the, the, I have up to two, no problem, I discard that. But the the other thing that's real easy to forget, you also need a destination Mm -hmm. card if you finish that link. And nowhere except in the rulebook is this pointed out. And so, yes, there are some on BGG that assist in this, but still... That's a huge oversight in my opinion.
0: And I mean in my opinion, it's not the person that bought the game's responsibility to make a player raid. I, yeah,
1: it should come in the game. It should come
0: with the game.
1: Yes. So and I I could I in my head I'm hearing devil's advocate well it's in the rules yeah but do you want players flipping through the rule book the entire no. 2 to 3 hours they're playing this damn game hell no, no. and it forces them to do that yeah. in this case so that is a huge omission mm-hmm. on this and that is something that really I want to drive home because whoever is running the game the first time you're going to be flipping through that yeah. rule book be like wait to lay track, what do you need mm-hmm. to be able to build a building? Wait, do I need the the parcel number or do I need the type of building that, no, wait, it's the parcel, right, and the upgrade, yeah, right. It,
0: this is what takes me so long. This is what took me five turns. This is what takes me games, figuring out what cards that has to be played when.
1: Right, and, and it shouldn't because exactly. it should have a player eight. Exactly. Totally agree, yes. So there's the randomness of the draw. You could see it as a positive or a negative. I put it here just because there are some people that are not going to like this at all. And you should have stopped listening back when I warned you. If you don't (laughs) like the randomness of, hey, okay, this is... But here's the thing. You've built your own deck. Everybody starts with the same two cards. Then you get to go into a ticket book before the game starts. And these are all positive cards. You get to choose one. Plus, you got your four parcels. So everybody starts with seven cards. The first two are the are the same, and then you've kind of tailored it so far. The parcels, if you've drafted them, you've tailored it. If not, okay, fine. But at least you know what that is before the game starts. Then the auctions happen, and you get cards. Well, if you don't want that real crappy card, here's an idea. Bid better. Mm-hmm. Or have planned previously to bid better to avoid that because you're going to see that card is available at the end of the previous round's auction. Right. So, hey, you want more money in your pocket? Don't spend more mm-hmm. or do something that's going to get you money so that you can avoid that. So I put it again in the negatives here because of you don't know what, you, what you're what you going to draw. It could be that you only have one building card and you really want to be able to build that leisure building, but you didn't draw it. Okay. I get that. That's that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the actual deck composition, you made your bed. You lie in it. But the randomness of the draw is going to turn some people off.
0: And it's also, you have to have cards with each property type, in my opinion.
1: To be able to deliver, you have to. to be a- I agree. Yeah,
0: to be able to be in contention for the game. I feel that if you don't have all of them, if you don't have a residential, how are you going to lower your stress? If you don't have a leisure, how are you going to buy points? If you don't have a commercial, how are you going to get more better and better cards? It's, it's really, really difficult to be in contention if you don't have all of those cards.
1: And outside of the auction and in that initial ticket book card that you get, the only way, the only way you're getting more cards into your deck outside the auction every round is... Being able to deliver to a commercial mm-hmm. building because that allows you to go into one of the ticket books and choose a ticket.
0: Right. And if you don't have a commercial card.
1: You can't do that. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. But I, I wouldn't say it's mandatory because if, if you do a good job of building up your deck, like for instance, industrial, right? Mm-hmm. Those get you rail workers, which obviously you want to be able to build rails so you can make longer deliveries so I can do more coke, so I can work more right. hours, so I can make more money, so I can do more coke. Right. I get that. However, if you've done possibly a better job of building your deck, maybe you have multiple Rail Worker cards and you save some of those for the end Mm -hmm. because then in the administrative phase, you can discard those and, oh, hey, I have one extra card I'm not doing anything with. I discard it. I get a Rail Worker, which does essentially the same thing as an industrial. So I wouldn't say that you have to have... Okay, maybe
0: every card but Industrial.
1: Well, I mean, then I could make an argument that maybe you get a card that lowers stress. Those are
0: very rare, though.
1: Understood, but they are there, so maybe you don't also need a Residential icon. I'm just saying, I don't think it's, it's, it's deterministic in that you have to have each and every one. Now, what I do warn new players is, before we go into that first auction... Make sure you have a commercial card. Yes. So, because you're going to end up, odds are, with some bad cards. And if you want to mitigate some of those bad cards, you better be able to offset it with some good cards, which means going into the ticket books, which means you have to deliver to commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. Even that, I would say, is not mandatory. But, man... You're cutting off your options pretty bad if you are negating some of these. So mm-hmm. I will say you better have a good plan yeah. if you're going to not have these. But I wouldn't say they're mandatory. What, what do you think there?
0: I still, I'd still, still disagree.
1: <laughs>
0: but I have, I have had games where I knew that I needed a residential card because I didn't, didn't have one in my hand. And I needed to be able to deliver to residential because I needed to lower my stress. So I made a conscious decision, an effort to deliver to a commercial building so that I could get a ticket book that had a residential card on top to be able to put it into my hand. So, I mean, there's ways, sure, there's ways to mitigate, but holy crap, the amount of mitigation that goes on top of everything else that you have to mitigate, it can make it extraordinarily difficult.
1: I'm, n- I'm not <laughs> arguing that at all. Totally. We're in agreement, at least on that part. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier the fallaway trailer problem. Much like in Age of Steam or games like Food Chain Magnate, poor play can be and likely will be punished. And that's a good thing. But some people are really not going to like that. Yeah. Because people that say a runaway uh, leader problem, that tends to mean the strong get stronger. And that's not necessarily no, the yeah, case I agree. Here. The
0: weak get weaker here
1: because if you don't want somebody to keep delivering and so they have a cash advantage right maybe maybe uh maybe they're able to do some things and bully a little bit take their workers mm-hmm. and okay maybe they get one really good delivery to a leisure building but unless that leisure building refills they're not going to get another another passenger for that run take their other passengers so mm-hmm. there are ways oh, to yeah. mitigate that as well so what I say to that is play better, legitimately play better. And
0: it may, you know, it may take you three, four five games before you. Shit, s- it might
1: take you 10. Yeah,
0: before you see all of this. But just I know it's going to be hard, but just try to not get discouraged because I wanted to slam my head up against the wall multiple times. But I didn't because it would give me a headache. Number one. But and number we two, did
1: just finish the basement. Number
0: two, we just finished the basement. And number three, I knew that if as long as I just gave myself time that I would be OK.
1: OK, cool. So, experience level differences will definitely be evident in this game. Uh, Just uh, most unforgiving games are going to be that way. So, it is what it is. Uh, And AP players, um, as they want to do, they can absolutely soul crush this game. They can make a two-hour game be a three, three three-and-a-half-hour game. Just don't let it be you. Now, as we said earlier, it's possible... You have your whole turn laid out, all three actions, and then boom, somebody comes and wrecks them. Okay, you may need some time at that point to, well, I got to rejigger this. Give me Mm -hmm. a minute. Okay, I get that. But you still can offset some of that AP.
0: Yeah, you can at least get a good base of an idea of what you might want to be able to do and then also have a couple mitigating options just in case.
1: Yeah. Oh, I can't do all three of these things. Okay. Because so-and-so did this. Okay. Maybe I can do these two, two and right. then maybe I just pass and get two bucks, but it leaves this uh, at a passenger card that mm-hmm. I can then add a passenger back there where I wouldn't normally exactly, be able to do exactly. that type thing. So I've been asked a few times leading up to this review, why would I want to play this As opposed to age of steam how does this differ from age of steam because it's it's obvious that this is going to be compared to age of steam as we've we've touched on it throughout the review i mentioned it earlier that this was going to be the case this was clearly built upon the bones of age of steam which totally makes sense considering albin's extensive age of steam maps uh background how many he's designed however I figure I would take a minute and kind of explain the differences between Age of Steam if it's not already clear but just kind of in a little bullet point thing here real quickly. So differences between Age of Steam and Tramwise. The multi-use cards and what's in your hand in a given round, they dictate everything. Where you can build, what you can deliver, what you can deliver to and what you can just everything is dictated by your hand of cards. It implements an element of luck into the game with the random card draw from the deck that you've constructed via the auctions and the ticket books that we've already hit on. The locomotive slash engine level, it's completely removed and you're allowed to deliver as long of a route as you want. However, you only have two rail workers, which means you can only build at a given time two rail segments, which a rail segment meaning from one destination to another. You can't build outside of that. So that very much kind of limits how much building you're able Mm -hmm. to do. And so you can't just go hog wild uh, for that. However, you can do as long of a run as you want. And just like in Age of Steam, you can deliver on other people's track. However, they're going to get victory points. And the one real cool aspect about this is you get income based on how many track pieces you crossed. However, it happens in the order that the passenger was delivered. So what that means is if I delivered on Amanda's track first, say three segments, I owe her $3 out of my pocket. If I have it, great. And then I get income from the rest of my route. If I don't, it quote unquote makes for an awkward situation (laughs) if I can't pay Amanda. So I pay her everything I can and I get a stress for the awkward situation. Thematic, it makes sense. But the Ass kicker here is you get no further income the entire rest of that route. So you have to balance that as well. So that kind of is an offset to the lack of a locomotive uh, engine level. Next, passengers can be delivered to any quote unquote color or city Mm -hmm. or as opposed to age of steam where a red cube must be delivered to a red city. There's also special abilities of the buildings when you deliver to them, which we've already covered. Parcels are owned versus no one owns a city. In theory, this makes it harder to block out building routes and tramways. I would argue this actually makes it easier to block out players because it can be really, really limiting. When somebody builds in your way, there's a there's a fair to Good chance that you are just completely foobarred, at least with our group, yeah. in the way you can build. And so I would argue that the track lane here is as punishing, if not, it's not less punishing. Yes. Let me put it that way yeah. than Age of Steam. Albin himself has said he feels it's less punishing. I would beg to differ. <laughs> if he comes to Heavy Con, I will show him the error of his ways. Yes. Last but not least, the difference in variability. There's lots of map tiles, and they're double-sided. Plus the upcoming fixed expansion maps that are that are uh, that we mentioned that are on Kickstarter right now. However, Age of Steam has over 150 expansion maps with different rules tweaks and these little things, just like the expansion maps for tramways do. So it's a different kind of variability as well as a different scale. But then again, what Age of Steam came out 15 years ago, so there's that. So, as I said, some folks have asked why play this versus Aegis Theme? Well, they have a similar feel. They're each in both of our opinions, mm-hmm. they're very their own game. I mean, you could ask that question of similar games. Why play Agricola instead of Kalis? I mean, they're both worker placement games, right? right? Tramways has each player solving their own puzzle from the cards that they draw, along with solving the multiplayer puzzle of the board state that each player is impacting. Again, similar, but completely different. Mm -hmm. So, why play this versus Agistine? Well, because you want a different type of game. it's a different game. It really is. Uh, When I was going through the comments, and I have some of them listed here, I kept reading Over and over and over, all the negative comments on this are, I'd rather play Age of Steam. But no one explained why. And I don't get it. I feel like it's its own animal.
0: Yeah. And if you guys disagree, let us know.
1: Yeah. So, comments from BGG that I I found some funny and interesting. So, first up, quote, this is a game in which you can fairly easily put yourself into an unrecoverable position if you don't know what you're doing. End quote. Yay. Yeah. Quote, I didn't realize how brutal this system could be. You can pay more than the player who won the turn order auction and end up going last for your trouble. That's <laughs> just mean. End quote. <laughs> I thought I had the rules down until everyone started asking questions. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh-huh. I don't see why I should ever prefer playing this over Age of Steam, which is simply much more to the point. I am almost inclined to say that Tramways feels like a prototype version of Age of Steam before a developer excised all the unnecessary parts. Hmm. Okay. Disagree, but okay. So much to think about as you play. Our first play, Four Players, took nearly three hours, but I spent almost all of the downtime deliberating and planning.
0: That's great.
1: That's exactly what we've been saying, right? Last but not least... Auction mechanism was challenging and hard to learn, but fun after I understood
0: it.
1: Mhm. Alright, so what you got for, to wrap it up?
0: Tramways is another beautiful Albin vr game. The combination of Age of Steam and Small City makes this game an almost instant winner. The delicate balance between being able to do exactly what you want and feeling like you will never ever be able to do anything correctly <laughs> is Albin's signature, I feel. While that signature can be incredibly frustrating at times, the reward you feel when you are able to do your best move is even more gratifying. I
1: feel like Albin summed it up himself best in one little sentence in the rule book Everyone starts with one stress because playing an Albin VR game is always at least mildly stressful. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I dig that in games. I feel like this is the most approachable of all of Albin's games up to this point, as far as the big three being Small City Clinic and this. And I'm still not convinced that I like one system more than the other, be it Age of Steam or Tramways for the system itself. I prefer Age of Steam because there's 150 maps. Do I prefer the system? I don't know. But the fact that this even has me asking myself that question is a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe ultimately, Age of Steam wins out. Fine. So be it. But the fact that this made me ask that question says enough for me.
0: Yeah. Why don't you tell people about our rating scale?
1: All right. So we rate on a one to six scale a one is it's not me it's you don't give the game away don't sell it just burn it with fire a two is it's not you it's me just not my cup of tea a three is maybe it's below average but it's got some redeeming qualities in it but overall it's kind of meh a four now we're talking it's a little bit above average There's something in there that's really good that's going on, and this is the point at which we start considering actually owning a copy. A five is a terrific, dare I say, great game. Strongly like the game, and we're going to own it. A six, though, is an absolute hall of fame, no-brainer. Just go out, get a copy of this game.
0: So what's your rating?
1: I gave it a five, which on a one uh, one to six scale, Five is a great game. Mm-hmm. Not a Hall of Fame game, but a great game. There have been other fives that have won the Golden Elephant Award. I'm not saying that this is going to win, but I do feel like this is going to be a solid nomination or or, or in the running for the Golden Elephant Award for 2016.
0: And yet again, we rate a game the exact same Will thing. Will you stop
1: doing that? We need, <laughs> you know what we need to do? We need to get Reef Encounter reviewed. Yeah,
0: that'd be a one. Thank you. But yeah, no, it's a five for me. It's not it's not a Hall of Fame game, but it's it's up there. It's it's so good. It hurts so good.
1: And that's Albin Viard's tramways. Alright, Amanda, you wanna tell them how to get in touch with us?
0: Our website is heavycardboard.com. Our email address is contact at heavycardboard.com. We love hearing from y'all, so please don't be shy. Our Twitter is Heavy Facebook is Heavy Cardboard. Our YouTube channel is Heavy Cardboard Vids. Our Instagram is Heavy Cardboard. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. Please take a look and give us some support. Our BGG Guild number is 2044. We also have a phone number for y'all to call and leave us voicemails if you want. The number is 720-675-8975. Call us and leave us your thoughts or questions, and hey, they might even be featured on the show unanswered. Anything else you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, there are two significant things I feel like that we ought to mention here. First and foremost, the Golden Geek Award finalists have been uh, named over on Board Game Geek, and we were one of the podcasts nominated. Thank you to everybody who voted. It's always appreciated. To be recognized, honestly, for the hard work and the dedication to a quality product that we feel we're putting out. So thanks a lot, y'all. Seriously. It it really does mean a lot. It
0: means a lot.
1: There were some people in our guild like, oh, yeah, obviously you're going to get nominated. I'm like, "Nah, I don't want to take anything for granted. The moment moment you rest on your laurels is the moment uh, things pass you by. So no, it means a lot. So thank you. Now, wouldn't it? be cool to actually win it one of these years. So, go vote if you're so inclined.
0: And we've started live streaming quite a bit over on YouTube.
1: Yeah, we thought, okay, people are complaining at us, to us, for us, whatever, that there's no teaching videos out there for a lot of the games that we play. So, again, we feel we're part of those people complaining, so if you're going to complain, have a solution. And for the longest time, we fiddled with making videos that were perfectly edited mm-hmm. and all of this. And I'll be honest, we don't have the time, not with full-time jobs. Nope. So what's our way around that? Well, we decided to live stream one of our sessions. So it's one of us, be it me, Matt, someone else, we're teaching games, whatever games we're playing that day. And then we're live streaming right afterwards a full playthrough of the game. And then afterwards, we're doing a little roundtable discussion like a Kind of a, an autopsy of the game. And yeah, I think it's, it's been well received so yes, far. Yes, it has. We're a week and a half into it. The first week, we put out seven videos, which include two for Lisboa. One with, once we finally got everything dialed in, mm-hmm. I'd recommend watching the second one. Yes. Lahav Roads and Boats, High Treason, A Feast for Odin, and, of course, Tramways. So go check them out and remember to, to uh, subscribe.
0: And give us big thumbs up if you like them, and we're also taking suggestions, so if there's anything that you guys would like for us to do, we have a, a, a thread going over in our Facebook group.
1: And but, in our guild.
0: Yeah, just let us know what what game you'd like for us to do.
1: Can't promise, I mean, we're only doing so many a week, right. but still, it we'll may, get to them. It may
0: be a while, but we'll get to it. I have a list going right. in my journal, thank you.
1: All right, that's about it. I think those are two important things, though, with the Golden Geek Award finalists and and the live streaming on YouTube. Uh, I think that's.
0: One more thing is your St. Baldrick's. I think you should talk about that a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. So I mentioned this last episode. uh, I've been growing my hair out and my beard uh, for the last four months or so. It's getting really unruly. But Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, every year uh, around St. Patty's Day, St. Baldrick's, which is a charity for to raise money for to fight childhood cancer. It's one of two charities that we support every year. It's This and Extra Life. If you're interested, Amanda will link in the show notes to donate. Uh, basically, I'm trying to raise money. I'll get my head shaved, uh, my beard, and my head on March 10th. And we'll, we'll live stream yep. it as well for y'all. And yeah, if you're so inclined, it goes to, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know that there's a better cause than fighting childhood cancer. I lost my mom to cancer, obviously not a child, but still, uh, getting rid of cancer is an important thing. Yeah. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. So, yeah, if you're so inclined, a man will link to it. Sure will. That's about it. All right. So, with that, um, normally we just say, hey, we'll catch you all next week, but well, we know what it's going to be. So, Feast Road next week. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you all then.
0: And check us out over on YouTube until then. Later, y'all. Bye.